0: The scripture reading this evening will be from Second Timothy three fourteen through seventeen. 2 Timothy three, fourteen through seventeen. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Thank you. you. May be seated. Well, you can see by our platform here tonight that we have a little different arrangement, and that's for a reason. We have made a little bit different arrangement for our searching the scriptures forum. We're looking forward to that beginning tomorrow night, beginning at 7 o'clock, and we have three excellent panelists for us this year, Chris Grota, Sam Wilcutt, and Brother Robert Johnson. We're happy to have Brother Robert Johnson with us tonight, and he certainly is a good friend of us here at the Broadway Congregation. Robert has been with us on several occasions. We always look forward to him coming. It's been our practice to invite one of the panelists to speak Sunday night before the forum begins. We've asked Robert if he would speak to us about these particular matters. And you can see from the text that he selected that it's going to be a great lesson on the Bible. And I love to hear preaching on the Bible. And we have a very fine gospel preacher to preach to us tonight. And I hope we give him our earnest attention and consideration. Robert, thank you for you and Karen coming and be with us and being with us for this forum as well. We we'll always enjoy having you. And we look forward to our discussion tonight. Robert, come and preach to us God's word.
1: Let me say how good it is to be with you this evening. The Broadway Congregation is a special place for Karen and I. We uh, genuinely appreciate the times we get to come and to be here, whether you're having a gospel meeting or I'm involved in uh, some of the good teaching that comes out of this congregation for the benefit of y'all and for the community. Uh, We just feel a kinship with you as brothers and sisters in Christ, and that's very special in the day and time that we live in. So it's an honor and a great privilege and a joy to be able to be with you tonight. And I count Jim and Nat as very dear friends and always enjoy being with them. I've been told that these chairs recline. <laughs> and that's a cause of concern until Jim told me that the baptistry's right behind them. And if you lean too far back, you'll certainly wake up. And so I don't intend to recline. Looking forward to being part of the forum this year. When we examine the salvation that we have in Christ, there are two elements of this salvation that we must be aware of if we're to understand how Scripture speaks of this salvation and how we should live in this salvation. Scripture speaks of our salvation as both now and not yet. In Acts 2 and verse 38, when Peter and the other apostles preached the first gospel sermon, And they asked, what shall we do being convicted in their hearts of having put to death the Son of God and knowing the need that they had and the forgiveness that they earnestly desired? What is it we should do? Peter proclaimed, repent and be immersed every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for a purpose clause, the end result being the forgiveness of your sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 47, we see the outcome of that invitation. They were praising God, having favor with all the people. The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we understand the now element of salvation. When they came in obedience to the gospel, when they were willing to repent of their sins, to confess Jesus as Lord, to be immersed where the blood of Christ could wash away their sins, they had new life in Christ from that point onward. But we can also turn over to 1 Peter, the first chapter, and with verse 5, where Peter talks about this salvation that we have in Christ there, and he states that we are by God's power being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Understanding this is essential to our living a faithful Christian life, of being able to inherit eternal life. When one obeys the gospel, salvation from past sin is real. Then and there, your sins are washed away. You have newness of life. You have the promise that if you walk in the light, the blood of Christ continues to cleanse you of your sins. But this doesn't mean that one can't sin in the present. And wind up forfeiting the benefits of Christ's blood if one is not willing to acknowledge those sins, repent of those sins, and return back to the Father. John said in 1 John, the second chapter, and with verse 1 My little children, I am writing to you that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. The righteous. Well, going back to our scripture reading this evening, when Paul wrote to Timothy about his salvation, he reminded him there is an essential element that helps bind all of this together, where we can experience salvation in the present, in the here and now, the benefits of having our sins cleansed by Christ, walking in the light, having the avenue of forgiveness if we sin and fall short of God's glory again, he, he reminded him of the part wisdom had to play in daily living. If the salvation that begins in Christ is to be fulfilled in him. And for us too, it's important that we be wise for our salvation that the work that God begun in us with our obedience to the gospel can be completed when he returns. And that's kind of the context in which this passage, which we're very familiar with, 2 Timothy, primarily chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And this is a passage we use to reassure ourselves and to try to speak to others about the inspiration of the word of God and therefore its authority for our lives and what we do spiritually, how we come in obedience to the gospel, how we worship, how we live the Christian life, the hope that is stored up for us, all that has to do with being a child of God rests upon the assurance we have that this is what it claims to be the very Word of God. And that's important for us to understand. But there's more to this passage than just an affirmation that this book is god's word so let's look at what paul is telling timothy here and see what we can gain from this that will help us better understand what god is trying to teach us in his word and to live by these principles and precepts and have greater assurance of our relationship with him let's think about first of all the connection between wisdom and scripture, and how they work together. You know, there's a very real difference between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom is dependent upon knowledge, but they are not synonymous terms. Knowledge is essential to wisdom, but wisdom is more than just having a knowledge and understanding of certain principles and precepts being true. Wisdom is taking the knowledge that we gain from God's word and having the skill sets to apply it in the affairs of life. It's a practical, wise management of oneself as seen in forming the best plans and selecting the best means for how we live. It's applying knowledge to the arena of everyday living. We can think about what Paul wrote to the church in in Colossians, Colossians, the fourth chapter, and with verse 5, when he exhorted them to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. So the exhortation is walk in wisdom. What does that mean? It means make the best use of the time God gives you. It takes wisdom to go through the affairs of life the people that we interact with, the situations we encounter in life, all of the things that make up life, to, to take what God gives us in his word, having an understanding of its principles, and see how that fits in all of the avenues that we deal with in life. How does God's word and his instruction to us in his word, how can we apply that in husband and wife relationships? How can we apply that while we're on the job and we have to deal with individuals that may not be the best and most pleasant individuals to deal with? How do we take it and apply it with regards to those things that are real temptations to us? And we struggle trying to overcome those things. Where does God's word fit the knowledge that he gives us about all this? How does that fit? And being able to face trials that come our way in life and having the right attitude about those trials and realizing what God is trying to accomplish for us through those trials. It takes genuine wisdom based on the knowledge of God's word to be able to take these things and then be able to see through the use of God's word to see how they fit in the various aspects of life that we're living. And the direction that it provides for us. And the instruction as to what our decisions should be and and how we go about living life. That's what Paul wanted Timothy to understand. You know, when you look through this letter of 2 Timothy, you understand Timothy being Paul's child in the faith. Can you imagine the closeness of relationships that they had together? How much Paul thought of Timothy. What Timothy thought of Paul. What Paul meant to Timothy and, and as you read through this letter you see things where you understand Timothy really needed encouraging this must have been hard for Timothy to accept Paul was near the end of his life and that he was getting ready to depart from this existence he goes on to state in chapter 4 and now he's going to be carrying on that work without having Paul there with him to help encourage him all through 2nd Timothy he uses imperatives A Greek tense of of command, of stressing the importance of remaining constant in certain things, and of not being fearful, and not giving up, and not letting various circumstances in life keep him from fulfilling the work that he had to do as a minister of the gospel, and being able to achieve the goal that he had as a child of God. So he tells him in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 15, This started in you a long time ago, Timothy. Don't let external circumstances divert your attention away from who you know you are and what you are to do. From childhood, you've been acquainted with the sacred writing. Some translations say the sacred scriptures. Same term in the Greek is used to indicate writing or A Holy Scripture, the inspired Word of God. That you've been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. So he's telling him, you take what you know in Scripture, which began early in your life, found its fulfillment when you came in obedience to the gospel in Christ, and now you're trying to to put it into practice in the work that you're doing and the various things that you face that are challenges to you. Don't give up. On the role that god's word is to play in your life, I may not be here to to guide you personally, but god's Word will be faithful to guide you in what you need to know and to be able to apply that so that you can be faithful, successful in accomplishing what God wants from you and using your talents best for him. Wisdom for salvation and everyday living finds its basis in scripture isn't it tragic we have the source of the answers for many of the things we face in life and we don't take advantage of it so much of the time Paul is telling Timothy it is the scriptures that will make you wise to salvation that will give them the wisdom you need to apply its principles and live them out in everyday living so the goal of salvation can be real and be yours. In context, I think Paul is using this term here in verse 15, sacred writings or sacred scriptures, to refer to the Old Testament. That's where it began for him. You know, even with a Gentile father, as we learn in the book of Acts, when Paul runs across this young man, and he has a Gentile father, and that perhaps that has to do with some of the doubts he may have had about himself. It may have had to do with, with other issues in his life, because as you look through what is recorded there in Acts, it doesn't, seem like, it doesn't seem like his father was necessarily keeping him from living the Christian life, but it didn't seem his father was doing anything to help him that way either. And we know that because when Paul wants to take him with him, and Paul always started preaching in the synagogue, he had to have Timothy circumcised. Well, Timothy is a young man who's obeyed the gospel at this point. And with Jewish mother and grandmother, that should have happened on the eighth day, but it didn't. You can't help but wonder if his father, who was pagan, had some influence in keeping that from happening, because... The Gentiles thought that was bodily mutilation, not something that was desirable. He had a Gentile father. The best you can say about him is he may have been kind of a non-influence in his life, but maybe, maybe there were issues he had to deal with from that father. Nevertheless, he had probably from an early age been instructed in the Old Testament. And we know that from Second Timothy 1 and verse 5 where Paul reminds him, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure it dwells in you. It was through an understanding of those Old Testament scriptures that he came to understand Christ as the fulfillment of those prophecies, leading him to salvation, knowing what he needed to do to find his forgiveness of sins and to have a relationship with God in Christ. So he is exhorted, meaning to continue in these things. If we go back and look in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 14, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. And that word continue is both a present tense and an imperative in the Greek. So keep studying scripture. Keep staying in the word of God. And this isn't optional. This isn't something that I think might be good advice. You weigh it out, see what you want to do. This is something you must do if you want to be faithful in serving me and living for me. He is exhorted to continue in these things, but that points us to all scripture, doesn't it? When we get down to verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God. So it began with the teaching he had as a young boy with regards to the Old Testament and those prophecies that were made and how that led him to come to understand Christ as a Messiah, the fulfillment of those things. He came in obedience to the gospel. But now as God continues to give the word of God to the early church, To give the new covenant to them. That has its values too. Don't stay in the Old Testament. Good place to begin. You need to continue learning in all scriptures. That would include what Paul was writing to him. That would include the other letters. That includes the 27 books we have as our New Testament. That ultimately would be given and completed. So you continue to be assured from those Old Testament passages, but you spend time in the inspired word of God that is being given now to know more about Christ and to know about God's will through Christ for you. It's only in the context of faith in Christ that Scripture is able to give us the wisdom we need for salvation. Started with his understanding of what his mother and grandmother were teaching him out of the Old Testament. It is continuing what he is learning of the New Covenant. God is inspiring individuals through the Holy Spirit to write those things down. You know, you understand, you stay in those things. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? Romans 10, verse 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Through Scripture, we learn of Christ. Through scripture, we learn what he has done for us and how we must respond to his will if we're going to have the forgiveness of our sins. In Romans, the 16th chapter, with verses 25 and 26, Paul states, To him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, According to the revelation of the mystery that had been kept secret for long ages, the fulfillment of the Old Testament is in the fact that God was going to send his son and salvation would be available to everyone. That was a mystery. It was a mystery for the Jews. They couldn't imagine life without the law of Moses being the rule for which they should live. It was a source of joy to the Gentiles who were tired of the pagan lifestyle to know that this God loved them too. And had a better way for them to live. Of what God was going to work out in fulfilling all of this by sending his son into the world to die for our sins. It was a mystery but it has now been disclosed through the prophetic writings. And made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Through scripture we learn about Christian living. We learn the kind of life that keeps us in Christ, in his love and mercy, the life that commends us to eternal life. Romans the 12th chapter and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. I guarantee you if we are not constant in our study and application of scripture, that's where we are conformed, molded by the image of the world. Because here's the thing. I had an individual tell me one time, we we promote daily Bible reading in our congregation in Longview. And one person said, you know, I've read the Bible enough times. I'm just not gonna fool with it anymore. Well, you're still going to be influenced by something, aren't you? If you're not spending time in Scripture, you're going to be listening to something else. The only something else I know of is the world and the influence of the world and the ways of the world. And it's in the media and it's in people you're going to talk with and it's, it's on the Internet. It's everywhere. Satan has his fingers in all of these things. If we're not spending time in God's Word, the only thing that's going to happen is we're going to be conformed to the image of this world. Instead, we need to be transformed. How does that happen? Well, it takes a renewing of the mind. Well, how does our mind get renewed? By proving out that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It goes back to God's Word, filling our mind and our hearts and our thoughts and what God wants of us and his good way for us and what we need to know of him and life in him. We have to spend time in scripture if we're going to be wise to salvation. So there's this connection, not just in knowledge and wisdom, but between scripture and wisdom as well. Scripture is able to impart wisdom because of what it is. Look again in 2 Timothy 3 and with verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training, and righteousness. Now we can add to that another passage we oftentimes go to that helps affirm the inspiration of Scripture, its authority, that it comes from God, therefore it's worthy of our consideration. But it goes along with what Paul is telling Timothy here, and that's in 2 Peter, the first chapter, with verses 20 and 21, where Peter there reminds his readers, know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. The Holy Spirit inspired men with God's Word, but that did not begin with humans. It began with God. And through human agency, that message of God was communicated to us. No prophecy was ever produced by the will of men, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So the word of God is unique in any kind of literature that we can imagine. And it is profitable or useful for four things. This isn't original with me, but I thought this is a neat way of remembering what Scripture can do for us. Here, as it's recorded in verse 16, Paul states, it's profitable or useful for teaching. In other words, it teaches what is right. It's profitable for reproof. It teaches what is not right. It's profitable for correction. It teaches us how to get right. It's profitable for training in righteousness. It teaches us how to stay right. It teaches us what is right. It teaches us what is not right. It teaches us how to get right. It teaches us how to stay right. And scripture can impart this kind of wisdom because of what it does. It makes us complete, equipped for every good work. You know, when it's applied, it makes us sufficient. It makes us able to meet all of life's needs demands say how can it do that it's it's a book it's words on a page but the hebrew writer tells us it is living and active doesn't it and you know why that's true because it comes from a living and active god it reflects his character it reflects his nature And it can impart those qualities to our lives as well. When we apply it, it'll make us complete. It gives us all that we need to meet the demands life will throw at us. And when applied, it equips us or fully supplies us not just to overcome the evil that we face in the world, but to accomplish every good work that God has in mind for us. And as Christians, we're not saved. And once we obey the gospel, we say, great, now I can just coast into heaven. Remember what Paul said in Ephesians 2 and verse 10? We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for, there's that purpose clause again. What's our purpose in being created anew through Christ? For good works. When did God come up with this idea? Same time he was talking about creating us. And what it would take for us to be saved from before the beginning of time, God knew the works he wanted us to be engaged in. We are his workmanship, creating Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. They're to be our lifestyle. Now for scripture to do all of this, we must continue. We need to remain constant in both the time we spend in Scripture, the knowledge we learn from Scripture, and the lessons we discern so that we can apply Scripture. Go with me again over to Second Peter, the third chapter in verse 18. It's another important passage that goes along with what Paul was telling Timothy about the value of the word of God and, and how this can make you wise for salvation and how this will equip you for living the Christian life and fulfilling your ministry for the Lord and having assurance about things are eternal. Second, Peter 3, 18 goes hand in hand with that. When Peter, after reminding his readers of those things, those Christian graces or virtues and Chapter 1, that if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. There is a way to have assurance that salvation is ours. It's the kind of life God produces through his word in us. He talks about those who get loose from God's word. Chapter 2, all those false teachers and the horrible things that they teach and people that get sucked into that. You know why they get sucked into that? They don't know God's word. They can't discern truth from error. And they fall victim to that. So it's no wonder the last thing that he writes in this letter is grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be both the glory now and to the day of eternity. Amen. That term grow means to cause to grow or increase, to be enlarged. And it's interesting, it is a verb and he's using it same two ways. It is the imperative tense, and it's, in the pre- it's imperative, and it's in the present tense. This is something you must keep on doing. And by the way, this isn't a suggestion. This is what I am asking of you as my children. You've got to keep growing because life isn't static, is it? And if we're not moving forward in Christ, we're moving backwards. If we're not growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, ultimately Satan is gaining a greater control over us. It's a necessity for us as individual Christians and the body of Christ as a whole. If we're not growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, we're stunted spiritually. We'll reflect more of the world at work in us than Christ. And we'll never be able to be fully what it is God wants us to be. You know, when we obey the gospel... That's not the end of things. Well, I got immersed. The Christ washed my sins away. That's fantastic. That is, that is the greatest feeling. I, I encourage people at times when they get depressed, and they say, you know, there's just so many hardships and so many difficulties, and sometimes I, I just wonder if, if it's worth it all. I say, go back and remember how you felt when you came out of the water of baptism. The joy that you had. The cleansed conscience that you had an understanding you are forgiven of your sins you're a child of God we we need to to hold on to those things and keep moving forward obeying the gospel isn't the end of our Christian experience it's the beginning of a lifelong journey of growth There's so much through the course of our lives we still have to learn, so much we still have to do, so much that we can still become for our Lord. I think God gives us tools in his word. He tells us the way we can apply this word and all the things we've been talking about can be ours. It'll happen for us. We can Grow in our salvation in him. We can be wise to salvation. We, we can overcome the influence of the world. Well, what, do, what does God tell us in his word? Some of those ways that, that it offers us to do these very things. What tools are available for us to grow wise in salvation? Well, number one, we need to take advantage of prayer. And we need to be praying for the wisdom that comes from when we spend time in God's word. You remember in James, the first chapter? Isn't it interesting as he begins this letter, no formalities, no thanking them for this or that. He just begins by saying, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Not many of us are very happy when we're going through difficult situations. James says, count it joy. Why? Because of what God is working for you. Testing your faith produces steadfastness. Steadfastness will have its full effect that you may be perfect, mature, complete, lacking nothing you need to live life in him and have that hope of eternal life. James, that's hard sometimes, you know. I mean, things I'm going through in life, that's kind of hard to have that kind of perspective. When trials come my way, he says, then you need to pray for wisdom. If you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach. It will be given to him. We spend time in this book. We need to pray that we'll clear our minds of worldly things, that God will take what we're reading and help plant it in our minds and hearts and help us to see where its application is and what it is we're facing in life. We need to spend time every day in a faithful translation of the word of God so that we avoid sin. One of my favorite passages, Psalm 119, verse 11, where the psalmist reminds us, I have stored or treasured your word in my heart that I may not sin. If We don't spend time in it. How are we going to know right from wrong? Up from down? How are we going to know what God expects of us if we don't know his word? Satan's greatest tool is saying, you know what? You've read that through one time. You don't need to mess with it anymore. Isn't it amazing how this book grows with you? You remember when you first obeyed the gospel and you began reading it? And some of the things seemed hard, but you were picking up principles. And then the next time, as you go on through life, you're beginning to see things you didn't see the first time. You look at the same passage. I, do, I don't remember reading this before. I don't remember picking this up the last time I went through that. And then the next time you start going through it, it grows with us. We can't outgrow the Word of God. Wherever we are in our journey in life, knowledge and maturing in Him, there are still more principles to learn. It's a book that grows with us and helps us grow with God. Spend time every day to avoid sin. Third, take advantage of opportunities to learn. You know what a great opportunity this congregation has before it? So, learn more of God's Word. So, searching the Scriptures for them, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? It's wonderful. Y'all got to submit questions about, I don't understand this about the Bible. I'm not sure what this verse means. This seems like a little bit of a conflict here. And you're going to be able to to have those passages explained and maybe talk to to people about those things. Come to a better understanding of those difficulties of the word of God that will give a boost to your faith. Get you to see things from a different perspective. Have a greater knowledge of God's word. Keep on moving forward. What a great opportunity the forum provides to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I want to exhort, get excited about it. I'm excited about it. I like this sort of thing. I told Jim when he was submitting the questions, I said, you know what? I'm at the point, I don't care what one you give me. I I, I like the research. I like the study. Just give me the leftovers that nobody else wants. And, and that's what I'll dig into. I love to spend time in God's word. And and I can't tell you how much I have Gained in my knowledge of things by going through the questions assigned to me and doing the research and digging through it. It, I'm sitting there in my computer and got all these books and Bibles out, and I'm in a happy place doing all of that. And my wife will tell you, I go home and I tell her everything I've discovered (laughs) of what I have learned through those things. Not just the searching the scripture for them. Find faithful study materials. We have some good brethren who write some very good material. Take advantage of that and let that help guide us in a greater knowledge of Scripture. And do all of this with a perspective when we're listening, when we're studying, when we're reading. Do all of it with this thought in mind. How can I apply this to my unique situations in life? You'll be amazed at what it begins to tell you. And what you see, that'll be helpful to you, no matter what those situations are that you're having to deal with. 1 Timothy, the third chapter, with verses 14 and 15. Paul says to Timothy, I hope to come to you soon, but I'm writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and buttress of the truth. You know, we don't just study to increase our faith. We do increase our faith, and that's a great value. We study to help others come to faith. So that they can know the truth on which the Lord's church is established, and that we have grounded ourselves in. So they can know the way to life themselves. We are truth in a world filled with darkness. And some people will only see the light we're shining to help them want to know more about God and his son and what it is he offers to us. If we will allow scripture to teach and instruct us, God offers a way to gain wisdom for life. Wisdom that guides and directs you. Wisdom that makes Christian living Practical and powerful wisdom that will allow God to fulfill in eternity the work of salvation He is carrying out right now, each day, by faith in Christ, that we can reach the goal. Paul would write Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 and verse 16 Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching, persist in this. For by doing so you will save both yourselves and your hearers. What a fantastic promise. God's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness, hasn't he? And here it is. And you know what? If we're open this book and we start reading it, it is as if God is speaking to us personally of what we need and his love for us. And what he knows we can be if we'll just trust him and commit ourselves to him. This word can do that for you this evening. If you look in your hearts, maybe as you examine yourself, as Paul said, we need to do Second Corinthians 13 and verse 5. Maybe you'll see things that, that need to be fixed in your life. Maybe you need to come in obedience to the gospel can't be a child of God if, if your sins are not forgiven. And, and it tells us how easy it is to do that. By faith, to repent of our sins, confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, be immersed. The blood of Christ washes away our sins. We have a new life. We are a new creation. The old things of sin are gone. New things of righteousness and holiness are set before us. What a life he calls us to live in him. And for those of us who've weighed the gospel, maybe what we need to do is look in our hearts and say, just who really does come first? Maybe if i allowed the world to call me away from God and from the priority of the spiritual she had in my life, maybe now is the time to make new beginnings for my Lord, to yield my life to Him, to let Him mold me and shape me in His image, to be what He created me to be, and have the promise of eternal life. There is no greater promise you can have than to know one day we can be with our Lord forever and ever. That's his call for you this evening. It's so simple. If Satan wants to make it so hard, don't let him. Allow God to be your Lord and Savior. Won't you please come while we stand and while we sing?